Hi, I'm Sean Pratt. Welcome to the VoiceOver Insider Podcast, where we discuss all things to help you build your voiceover momentum. Today's host is Gary McFadden. Gary, what's the topic of the day? Hey, Sean. Today I'm talking with George Whittem, a well-known technical consultant in the voiceover world. He also appears every week with co-host Dan Leonard on the popular VoiceOver Body Shop series, which you can find on Facebook. George does everything from designing and setting up voiceover studios to helping choose and troubleshoot equipment. I've heard George and Dan say dozens of times on VoiceOver Body Shop over the years, if it sounds good, it is good. Well, one way to make your audio sound good is to incorporate what's called a stack, a predefined series of changes to your file designed to improve its audio quality. George designs custom stacks to sweeten your audio once it's been recorded, and stacks are what we're talking about today. George, welcome back to the VoiceOver Insider podcast. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. Hey, and just a quick question before we start. Did you get any of that atmospheric river that we've been reading about up here in Montana? Well, if by that you mean did it rain in Los Angeles? Uh, yes, it did. We had some rain, which has been highly unusual here. So grateful, to be honest. Yeah. So let's talk about stacks. Now, many of our listeners may not have heard of stacks or racks, as they're referred to in Adobe Audition and perhaps other digital audio workstations or DAWs. And by the way, we're going to stick to calling them stacks in this conversation just to save some time. All right. I thought we could start by having you define just what a stack is. Got it. A stack is essentially a way to combine multiple effects plugins into one preset. So that allows you to not just do one operation at a time, um, but you can do multiple operations sequentially and one preset that you can recall and use whenever you need it. So that's kind of the stack idea being, it's a stack of processing plugins all stacked on top of each other, you know, top to bottom. I know that Twisted Wave, Adobe Audition, and I believe Audacity use stacks. Are all popular DAWs set up to accommodate some form of stacks? All popular ones are, and they're popular because they can do this for one for one. Um, not, not all softwares have the ability to do this feature. Um, it's usually the very low-end stuff, um, uh, like uh, WavePad or uh, SoundForge Audio Studio. Some of the really basic ones can't do this, but most of the ones that we all enjoy, certainly the ones that I recommend do, and they all have their own terminology. So in Twisted Wave, it's a stack. That's their in-house term. Audition calls it a rack. Audacity has a different take on it. They call it a macro. And there's, there's more sophistication actually capable in Audacity because of it being a macro. And then um, in, in uh, Reaper, it's called an effects chain. So different programs call it different things. Does a stack operate while you're recording a file, or is it a post-processing step? Yeah, that, that does, does uh, completely depend on the recording software you're using. So if you're doing Twisted Wave, or if you're recording in any normal editor program, that's like you're recording a single wave file, there's no multi-tracks, you know, there's no mixing console, it's just one track, then almost always that's going to be done in post. So you record, edit, and then process at the end. It's a post step. 
if you're using more sophisticated multi-track software, like multi-track mode in Audition, Reaper, Pro Tools, etc., those have the capability of recording real-time through a processing chain. And so you can capture it already processed, which has pros and cons, of course. But that does, yeah. So you need a multi-track, non-destructive DAW to to process real time while you're recording. Okay, but if you do it that way, then what you get onto your file is what you are going to end up with. There's no going back. Right. That's when a non-destructive DAW becomes destructive because now you're actually modifying the original audio as it's being recorded, and that's not reversible. There's no undo. Once you have recorded, or we like to say printed, the audio with the effects, it's always there. So if you're doing that, you're doing it because you're a pro and you know what the heck you're doing. Okay, so in creating a stack, you're going to take into account the DAW being used, the microphone, the preamp, and other components in the audio chain. Do you also take into account the recording environment? Well, I take into account what I hear, right? So, yeah, I need to know what the doll that what doll they're using, so I use the right software and the right you know tools. But I'm also taking into account what I'm hearing, and that's gonna and that encompasses the microphone, the environment, the acoustical treatment, the noise floor, the mic technique. All of those things are, and the way the person acts. All of this is taken into account when I'm making the stack, and it's done by done by ear, a hundred percent. It's all done by ear. Is there a standard practice you follow when building a stack? For example, do you wrangle the microphone preamp combination into place first, then consider the room, etc.? Or do you first choose whatever factor seems to need the most adjustment and then move on from there? Yeah, I mean, I, I just start with what do I hear? And if I hear issues that I cannot fix with a stack, I will tell the person who sent me the file. Just like two days ago, I, I sent back a rejection, essentially saying, I can't make better what you've sent me. It's never going to sound where it needs to be without fixing your issues with noise, bad acoustics, bad mic technique, etc. Until you fix those things, I can't do my job. So then we will shift the session. We'll shift the service from being a stack to being a consultation. Schedule a call and we'll talk and figure it out. But that I, I base it on what I hear. What are some of the um, what are some of the basic problems that you hear that when when you need to return a file? Um, noise level being so high that it it becomes untenable. You know, there's, it's just so distracting. Or or if I was to try to filter it out, the filtration would cause so much audio issues. Like we call we would call um, artifacts that it just you lose all the quality. Like right now, we are getting amazing quality. I mean, our fidelity in yours as well is great. We hear all the detail, but once you start slathering on noise reduction tools and other things, trying to fix some of those problems, the sound quality degrades sometimes kind of rapidly. So I'm, I'm dealing with noise. I'm dealing with a room that sounds reverberant, distant, hollow, all issues that can't be fixed in the mix. They have to be fixed from the source. Mm-hmm. George, what are some of the audio components you use in creating a stack? EQ, compression, limiters, other components? Yeah, I will typically use um, a high-pass filter to take out rumble. I'll use compression to control dynamic range. I'll use expansion to control room tone levels. So if someone's room tone is 
let's say it's minus 20, well, minus 55 dB, which is decent. And what, what I could, I would like to get a little bit lower to say minus 65. And I can do that very seamlessly with, a, with an expander. I also use EQ quite a lot if necessary. So if there's a lot of sibilance, harshness, or something else that's detracting from the audio, then I will adjust with EQ. If it's a special stack for a very unique case, then I may actually do a lot more EQ to get the desired effect. Um, and then I'll, and then sometimes a de-esser if someone's got a real sibilance issue. Um, and at the very end of that chain or stack or rack, you will almost always see a limiter to make up the levels that have been lost by using compression. That's generally what's going to be in my typical stack. Do you use a set of components that come with a given DAW, or do you make use of whatever plugins the voice talent has available? Great question. I I have always tried to use only what's included in that client's in that user's DAW. So um, I've gotten very used to using the tools included that come with every DAW that's out there. Now it doesn't mean every DAW has every tool that I could possibly want. Um, for example, the, the plugins that come with Twisted Wave, there's no de-esser. Um, and so I have to be creative or find a workaround for that. Sometimes it, I just never can get the results I want without that. Um, and so, you know, there are certain plugin sets that don't include every tool I could want. But most softwares have enough tools uh, available or at their disposal that I can use what's already there. So I don't, I don't have to make people run around and, or spend money. I will never make someone go buy Waves plugins, for example. Not happening. <laughs> okay. Do stacks typically incorporate operations such as noise reduction, gates, declicking, or mouth to click, or are those still separate operations? Yeah. So I look at those tools, um, other than maybe noise reduction, I look at declicking or mouth noise removal as part of the editing process. So I feel like those should ideally be used when you're editing, meaning that you would run those before you even edit. So you would know that the declicker has properly declicked the audio before you even start editing. That's my particular, that's what I really tell people to do. That said, um, I do get requests to include a mouth declicking plugin in a stack, in which case, if you know, I'll do it. So I'm, um, if you really want to just, if you know, you're just, I'm all, I'm all, I always use this mouth declick no matter what, then I'm like, all right, I'll throw it in the stack. You know, uh, I'll tell people here it is in the stack, but turn it off. Don't use it unless you really need it, but I'll put it in there. If I can't control the noise floor using a downward expander plugin, AKA a gate, sometimes misnomer, it'll be called a gate. Um, then I will recommend or, or use a noise reduction plugin if I really, really have to. Okay. Can a stack, which itself is a series of processing instructions, be incorporated into a larger automated process, such as the batch processing function in Twisted Wave? Right. That's right. That's right. It, it doesn't have to be in a stack, but if you do know you're going to apply it to a large number of files, you could automate the use of that with um, with a batch processing tool where, where it will not just process one file, but process hundreds of files automatically. Hey, this is great. We'll be right back with George Whittem talking about stacks right after this message. 
Hello, I'm Julie Williams, founder of the VoiceOver Insider Podcast. I've been doing voiceovers for almost 45 years, and I would be happy to offer you a free, short voiceover career strategy session. We're not talking about a sales pitch here. The focus would be on you and how to achieve your voiceover goals. Just email me at julie at voice-overs.com. By the way, in case you're not familiar with my work, here's my commercial demo. Because I have to change her diaper. Why can't she change it herself? <laughs> because she's too little. Would you hand me that Pampers bag? It's not just a race. It's a full-fledged adventure. Diddy Kong Racing, only for Nintendo DS. Every small business runs differently. But no matter what field you're in, the one thing you depend on is a great network. That's why Spectrum Business works tirelessly to provide a network with over 99.9% reliability. I'm going to reveal a weird little secret that'll let you start speaking any language you want in just 10 short days. Once there was a ferocious dinosaur who caused a terrible flood. Uh-oh. But that didn't bother the dinosaur's mother, because she had the quicker picker-upper. It's just what you'd expect from the nation's most reliable network, the new AT&T. Your world delivered. Feel like a cookie? Do I look like one? <laughs> How did I know that was coming? But even ice-bound scientists get cravings. So they head to the Aurora Storialis, the southernmost convenience store in the world. No late fees ever. No penalty rate ever. Because there are plenty of other things to stress about. License and registration, please. Time with new vitamin C8 and exclusive DNA renewal complex. Now in an easy-to-pour bottle. Okay, we're back with George Whittem talking about stacks. So a voice talent might use different distances from a mic or even a different mic for various reads, such as an audiobook versus a commercial read. Do you try to aim a stack design at a particular type or style of read when you're building it? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. I will always ask somebody when they send me a file, what is this for? Is this a TV commercial? Is this a corporate narration? Is this a video game? Etc. And I will adjust the way I'm doing that processing based on the style and the genre that they're working on. So, for example, if it's a promo television commercial, it's going to be more processed. That's just a more in-your-face, hard-sell type of production. Whereas if it was like a national commercial, that's not a hard-sell thing. That's a very soft sell. It's not salesy. It's conversational. And it's light, light processing on that stuff. So it does vary based on what I'm, what project they're doing. Makes sense. I just had you build several stacks for me, and I noticed that the instructions say to normalize the audio to minus 3 dB before running the stack. Why do you do that normalization step first? Because I don't have control over what gain yet you recorded that sample that day for that job. So I would like you to record everything at the same gain. Now, I don't need it to be minus 3. I could have you record everything at minus 12, but I don't know that you're recording everything at minus 12 or minus 3 for that matter. So, so I use normalization as a correction to make sure that my processing will work relatively consistently because I know what the input level is. So the first thing I do before I, I do anything is I normalize the audio to minus 3. So I, that way, if you do the same process, then your stack will give you the same results. And that's, that's why I do it that way. I wish you could put normalizing in a stack, 
Thomas, Twisted Wave developer, if you're listening, you know I've been wanting this a long time, right? Um, I wish you could build it into the stack. You can't. Um, Addition lets you do something called a favorite, which is kind of like a macro, meaning I can say, okay, step one, apply normalization. Step two, apply the effects rack. And that's kind of cool. I can make that a keystroke. But yeah, you can't do that with Twisted Wave. Well, again, in Twisted Wave, you could go back to that batch processing and you can put the normalization in into that. You could. You have to leave the editor and go to batch process mode, load the file in there. It adds more steps to save steps. So sometimes it saves time, sometimes it doesn't. Sure, sure. Now, there's a fair amount of discussion on various chat groups about sending dry or unprocessed files to clients versus making them sound the best they can sound. Are processing stacks more aimed at people doing auditions where you want to impress the casting director with the quality of your audio and not for sending files where a dry read has been requested? As a rule, as a general rule of thumb, that would be true, yeah. Um, There are some outlier scenarios where the audition, they request it to be unprocessed or dry or raw. That's often for video game productions. Things where the producer wants to get a very clear picture of what your studio really sounds like. They know that they're going to be dealing with the deficiencies in your studios. I feel like a very much an outlier. Almost everything else out there, they want it to have some they want it to sound the way they want it to hear in their head. So when they hear you, they want to close their eyes and go, Yeah, that's the guy. It sounds familiar. It sounds like what I just heard what I want to hear on my spot. And without processing, it may sound good but it won't sound like the, the real thing. And that illusion is what you're trying to achieve with the right amount of processing. Overcook it, and that will not work well for you either. <laughs> and it's sure not difficult to overcook it. Totally. I assume a voice talent could create his or her own stack with some, or maybe a lot, of trial and error. But when you have a stack created, you're really enlisting a second set of ears and dare I say an objective set of ears, to judge the effects of various components in the audio chain, the recording environment, and more. Is building a stack something someone can do on their own or should do on their own? Um, If you have a degree or a degree of experience with your software and you trust your ears, like you know you've spent a long time listening to yourself in a critical way you've also gotten to hear you know work with audio professionally and tune it you know as long as you trust yourself you trust your ears to make those judgment calls um then you know at least you're not going to send something out that sounds crappy because <laughs> you're already going to you're the last line of defense right you're the you're the last right of refusal before that file goes out so if you do some settings and processing and it does not get the results you're looking for you have that control, right? Um, but if you don't know the tools and how to use them, that's going to take you a very long time to get to that. But you made a very good point. I get hired um, on the regular by actors who are producers themselves that actually do know their tools really, really well. They know how to produce, they know how to mix and edit, but they'd still like to have a fresh, completely objective set of ears to help judge those settings and come up with their own, come up with my own take on something that they may already know how to do, which is interesting. But I, I'm always, you know, it's always a little extra special when somebody hires me who's already, <laughs> you know, knows how to engineer. Because it's like, this is a different audience now. This is somebody that 
does know their tools, does know what to listen for, they may be more critical about the way I do things. So when I get that seal of approval from somebody who's also an engineer, it, you know, it's like, oh, okay, good. I'm somebody in my, one of my peers is saying I'm doing it right. You know, so that's always a good, a good sign, right? Yeah. George, this has been great information. I understand you're doing a presentation in the near future about stacks for the SAG-AFTRA Foundation. Can you tell us something about what you'll be covering and how people can attend your presentation? I will be covering exactly what we just covered, but in just, I guess, a lot more depth. (laughs) I'm going to have Tim Friedlander from Soundbox LA Studio Group uh, also being there because he'll be there representing the producer. So he's the guy that ends up receiving your audio most of the time and has to work with it. He's going to be talking about maybe what he doesn't want to hear or what he doesn't want you to do to your audio or what it says appropriate to do to your audio. So we're going to go through a lot of the same material, but with more introspection into the, 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 what he's thinking, what he's hearing and what he thinks is appropriate. Um, and, and to get into that, you really need to, uh, you have to be a member of the Don LaFontaine voiceover lab organization. So if you're interested, yeah, this is being taught and put on by the SAG after foundation, um, the Don LaFontaine voiceover lab of which I was a co-founder. And, um, if you want to be a part of that, if you're not already a member there and they've got thousands of members now, um, visit sagaftra.foundation, sagaftra.foundation. And that's where you could get involved, uh, create an account there and get access to this kind of content. And I believe because this is online, as you're a member, you should be able to watch it, which that's the advantage of it being online. Normally there's only 15 to 18 people that can be in the lab. So we get a lot more folks involved now, thanks to the online. Uh, This is going to be part of the Founders series. It's going to be called Stacks with George Whittem and Tim Friedlander, Tuesday, November 9th at noon Pacific time. If people want to get in touch with you about stacks or other voiceover technical items, what's your best contact information? Just head over to the website, georgethe.tech. And if you're confused by what I just said, you can go to the old-fashioned domain, georgethetech.com. That also works. And uh, you'll see my tech menu, my VO Tech Services menu. Um, look for an option on there called Audio Processing Presets and Stacks. There's that whole menu has all the different ways I can assist you in your home studio technical needs. George, thanks so much for being with us today on the VoiceOver Insider podcast. I appreciate you. And now I get to share this with my my listeners and my, my clients and help educate them. So it's a win-win. Thank you. I hope you found that information helpful and enjoyable. If you would like a free strategy session with Julie Williams to talk about your VO career, just email julie at voice-overs.com and we'll get you on the schedule. If you'd like to train in nonfiction audiobook narration, I'd be happy to work with you. Email Pratt at comcast.net. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll catch you next week on a brand new episode of the VoiceOver Insider Podcast.